The sponsor for this episode is Whoop. If you haven't heard of Whoop, it is a fitness tracker that provides personalized daily insight into recovery, strain, and sleep. Uh, And this has provided some really cool, actionable data. I've been using it personally. There's a ton of PGA Tour players that are using it. You've probably seen Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, and others wearing it. Um, And here's kind of what I take away the most is, is number one, sleep and recovery. So every morning, you can uh, look at your phone, go into the app, look at the data, and it'll tell you kind of how your recovery was. Are you ready to take on a lot of strain that day? Should you relax a little bit more and make take really better actions based on how your body is doing? And then strain, this will let you know of how hard is your body actually working. Is that workout that you're doing, is there enough strain? Is there not enough? And look at all those different things. Um, In the golf context, uh, just the other day, really interesting, I found that playing nine holes walking was the same amount of strain as playing 18 holes riding in a cart. There's so many good things from Whoop. You should check it out. We got 15% off your Whoop membership, code GSL, 15% off GSL. Head over to whoop.com and check that out. Definitely recommend picking one up. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. It's been a fun couple days. Good friend, great instructor. Everybody knows who you are, Chris Como. What's up? How you doing, Tony? It's hey. good. So we, I thought tonight because we had a we had a dinner and we've got Andy Ogletree, we got Vince Whaley, VW the Bug, Emilio's coming out here, and we've got Morgan Hale. And I thought we we're all sitting around. We had dinner together. I thought we'd title this edition of the Tour Coach Podcast "Questions with Como." <laughs> Because I felt like earlier at dinner, everybody's just asking you questions. Okay. Yeah. So I thought we'd just kind of continue that and and ask some questions. All right. You, you like that? Yes. Yeah. Let's go. All right. I get to ask questions back though. We can censor those because <laughs> that'd be. I have no editorial control on this. I guess. No, no. This isn't like you at the show today. Yeah, yeah. No, you, well, you don't have it. This is my. This is. It's not a very big deal, but it's my little deal. So let's talk about some stuff. Okay. You ready? Yep. All right. How much further do you think Bryson can hit it? I think he's got an extra 10 to 15, maybe. We'll see how this 48-inch driver goes. That's going to be... You optimistic about that? I am. I am. I'm optimistic about it. It'll take a little time to kind of really feel like it's uh, game ready, I'm sure. But right. I'm, I'm optimistic about it, yes. Gus is a good place to debut it. It would be, yeah, wouldn't it? Right. That'd be really you got nice. a little room there. Yep, yep. Seems to open up as you get farther down there a bit. So A little bit, not. but I will say, though, you know... As we exhibited today, feel pretty good about Andy's shot on 16 on Sunday. Though, right? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I think he'll play 16 great. Yeah. We'll draw. All right, anybody got another question for Como? I mean, you're a big biomechanic guy to an extent, right? I knew he was going to start talking. I knew I could I get mean, the Georgia Tech guy. What would be the one thing, maximize distance? What would you Like, high, higher level player. Well, I mean, like, to the first part, biomechanics guy, I don't know. I was teaching 
for 12 years before I knew anything about mechanics. So, you know, I'd already spent time around Mac O'Grady and Hank Haney and Schreiber and Brady Riggs and worked for Ledbetter way before I took any biomechanics class. But to me, it's like, does it help to know a little bit about physics and a little bit about the body? I mean, sure. Right. So having a longer swing helps a lot. Right. If someone doesn't use their lower body at all, just like it's just standard like golf stuff. Right. If you got a short swing, you're, you're not going to really hit as far typically. So lengthen your swing. If you increase like your range of motion, if you have no lower body motion, you know, make that a little bit more active. That'll probably help you hit it farther. So like the, all the research and science stuff, it, it's it's not really showing anything different than like what I think a lot of teachers kind of already intuitively know just from being on the range. But, you know, maybe it gives a little bit of an insight onto to some of the inner workings. But again, there's no like... No secret. Yeah, there's no crazy secret, right? Like in general in instruction, there's no there's no real secret at all. So, Which I think is a good point. We've talked before. But I, I think that's important for any instructor to know coming up. Like, to me, nobody's... I mean, there's variations of stuff out there. But like... No one person has this deep insight into knowledge that nobody else has, mm. and that's not what separates. I don't think. No, I mean, I think I think the, the, if you're trying to become a great coach, in my mind, you're trying to learn as as much as you can that's out there, right? So you are studying some of the biomechanics. You're learning from other teachers. You're studying what great players have done, like knowing you know a variety of like all these different swings that have existed that have, that have hit the ball really well. But then, like, you're trying to sort of fill your brain with that information. You're trying to give a lot of lessons so you can do a lot of reps yourself, just sort of seeing all the different kind of, like, versions of swings and faults and misses or whatever. And you're basically just trying to, like, become a really good problem solver, right? You're just trying to become, like, a really good detective of sorts. So for me, like, if I were to say, okay, what's the skill set that I feel like that, I, that I'm, I'm good at with my coaching – it's not really the knowledge or any of that. It's just sort of like being in the moment and be able to help someone solve a problem. So like even at at, at Wingfoot on Saturday night with like Bryson, we were on the range till whatever it was eight thirty nine. Late, late, and 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 it was is about sort of what he, was the problem? Yeah, I mean he didn't. What were hit, you trying to solve? He didn't hit it great on Saturday, right? So and and when he came off the course, I was like, that's the round that wins you U.S. Open because he chipped and putted unbelievable. Like there's so much grit in that round, but he did not hit it great. So, you know, like, there's some stuff with his swing. I, I couldn't have been out there with him and helped him solve that problem unless I had a ton of understanding of him as an individual. There wasn't some sort of, like, biomechanics or track man knowledge. That, I mean, you know, that information is kind of running in the background as part of how you pro- solve a problem, sure, but it was really about knowing the player, knowing his tendencies, having had tons of, like, time with him, seeing different misses, et cetera that in that moment we were able to kind of think through it and, and, and sort of, you know, get to a better place. Um, so, yeah. Did you change anything on the range, or did you reinforce what you already were doing? It wasn't like changing something in terms of, like, like new. It was more about, okay, this is what you, you typically do when you, you hit it well. This is how it kind of got out of that for whatever reason, and we just sort of have to, like, reset it. But thinking through maybe why it got off, you know, from Friday, from Friday's round to Saturday's round. I was watching the whole tournament inside on TV, and I would actually film swings that they had on the telecast. So I had some swings on my phone, and we kind of talked through it and all that. And I was just like, okay, this is kind of what you're doing out there. Let's, let's try to fix this. Was it a difficult deal or more just? It's just, hey, trying to hit off the toe. I love it when you give me the technical. <laughs> <laughs> So what torque is this? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Easy. He's walking up and joining us. Any more questions for Como? 
Let's just go with something simple like favorite golf course. Okay, no Cypress, no Augusta, no Pine Valley, no Seminole. <laughs> favorite course? Favorite golf course. I, you know, From I, design to manicure to everything. Oh, jeez. I'm not like a huge like golf course architecture guy. I feel like, like you would be. No, um, I mean, I, Rivs just got such like a, a place in my heart because I grew up out there and and I mean, I love, like, there's so many things I love about Riv. It's, to me, it's so interesting. I grew up in that area. Like, I, I would go out when I was a kid and watch the, it was at the time, the Nissan Open, the LA Open. I would, I would go out to that range with an old Canon ZR10, and I actually snuck onto the range when I was, like, 19 and got a bunch of footage of Elk, Davis Love Third, Nick Price. And uh, I was just, like, I was this kid out there filming swings, and then someone eventually, like, tapped me on the shoulder, like, do you have a badge? I'm like, ah, they kicked me off the range. So I just have so many great uh, memories of Riviera plus I love the track plus it's a great place if you have a couple guys playing a tournament it's an awesome course to like watch people play because right. there's a lot of places where you can just kind of you know camp out and go to different holes real easily so Riv's great okay this is my plug shameless plug but like Dallas Nationals awesome track and it's the best course probably in that Texas. was shameless I wouldn't even have expected nah, you to do this I know <laughs> but it is I, I love that place it's just such a great place I mean for Texas and that's kind of where I spend most of my time now so whatever are you really a resident there? Huh? In, in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, technically. Technically. Yeah. You don't spend much time anywhere. Yeah. More, more than more than fifty percent. So. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll go riff. I'll go riff. Oh. So you're a golf nerd. What what got you? I mean, you are. Sure. Right. But what? So you video and swings when you're 19. What got you into video and swings? I took up golf late. I took up golf when I was like 16, ish. Um, I grew up playing hockey more than anything. Really? Yeah. When Gretzky got traded to the Kings, I was in high school, and there was, like, a huge hockey boom in L.A. Okay. And I got caught up into that. And then uh, a friend of mine's uncle took me golfing, kind of got enamored with it quickly. And, you know, I guess in my mind, I, I wanted to uh, just, like, get really good at the game. And I thought if I study it, I can sort of make up for lost time. I can sort of speed up this process of getting better at it by just, like, stunned the crap out of it so um and i was just obsessed with the game so yeah i would like read a bunch of golf books i would go find a bunch of teachers that i thought you know i could learn from like adam schreiber brady riggs and then i just every chance i could i would i would uh get footage of guys and and um you know at that time this was like in the the late 90s there wasn't like youtube where you have all these swings just at your disposal right so you had to get it yourself so whenever uh the tournaments would come into town i would go out there with a camera and, and get as much footage as i could when did you decide you wanted to teach for a living and do what you do probably i probably kind of knew it even then deep down inside but like i uh i dislocated my shoulder i was playing i dislocated my shoulder and then when that happened i was already like kind of teaching people that i would be competing with this, I kind of got this reputation of someone who like, you know, knew some stuff about the golf swing, which in hindsight was like not accurate, right? Like I didn't know crap, but like, uh, you know, I just I, again I, I had that reputation a bit. Just got my shoulder, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go down this path just 100. percent so. Anybody? Any more questions for Como? Jump in. I, I don't know if you've ever worked with someone that's so like analytical as Bryson. What was your biggest challenge whenever you took the step of like taking someone in in your team like that? Like Bryson? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that's probably some of the benefit of, of doing the kind of biomechanic stuff yeah. is that if you if you need to talk that language, like if I need to talk to, you know, someone like Bryson or you know like a Bob Grover or Sasha McKenzie or whatever, like 
you know, I kind of know the language to where I can like, go down those rabbit holes and have those conversations. So it's not really, it wasn't tough at all. I mean, I think, and that's part of, in my opinion, part of like, you know, just coaching is, is, is sort of being a chameleon of sorts where you, you're, you're very adaptable. You're very sort of, you know, flexible in the language you use depending on who you're working with. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about communication. So, you know, if, if I'm working with a person and there's a sort of a set of words that they feel comfortable with, I'm going to communicate in those words because yeah. the whole idea is to convey something to them, right? Like whatever that is. And if it's, if it's talking to, to, you know, someone who maybe has like a physical therapy background or whatever, you're going to, you're going to tend to use more kind of, um, you know, the language of like, whatever that whole world, you know, more like anatomical motions type stuff, because it's just, it's simpler for the communication with that person. So to me, it's always about using the language that's going to help you communicate with the person that you're, you're interacting with. So you'd say that's probably what attracted Bryson to work with you? Um, I I think more just like my, my thought process, less about the language, but more about how I kind of think through a problem is I think where we, we have a lot of sort of, um, kind of similarities and we have a lot of like good chemistry yeah you both really like problem solving yeah from what i gather yeah yeah exactly i mean in fact during you know one of my previous stints in the smiley years i mean you and i talked like i and you enjoyed the you enjoyed the delving into and trying to figure out the problem solving you talked yep yep yeah, to me, that's that's the fun of it. It's like every single person's got their own kind of unique things that they do. You know, what are the, what's the shot they want to hit? What's the miss they don't want to hit? And then, um, you know, trying to help them think through, like, why that happens. You know, when the good stuff happens, why does it happen? When the bad stuff happens, why, why does that happen? That's it. I'm going to move away from Bryce. Okay. Well, I mean, I could. I, I don't think he's going to be the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. All right. But think back over your coaching career. Is there a something you did or a decision with a player or something like where you look back on that and you go, that was stupid? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, okay. Anything in particular. I mean, you asked me like a question today. What was like the funniest thing? I mean, I'm asking you, like, you got to have one good one in there where like, and that, looking back on it now, that wasn't the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a good player. Like, I, oh, I mean, I got a couple of them. Um, <laughs> Oh, for sure. I mean, you, like you're gonna make like mistakes, right? Like I remember, like when I first had like started like getting into TrackMan, I had a guy, good player, and you know, he was uh, correctly, he was pretty out to in, and he would hit off the toe and hit these kind of like little baby fades, right? And everything was like off the toe, off the toe, off the toe. And I was like, oh, man, you got to like, you got to try and hit like center of the face type stuff. Right. And all of a sudden it's like balls, like going like 50 yards. Right. Because he was using toe gear effect to kind of counteract. Okay. So it would have been a big cut. He was using a lot of like his toe head to counteract that. And, you know, for a minute there, I stayed on like, man, we got to get center of the face. And it just was like pulling teeth. It was just like, not that didn't feel solid to him. Toe hits felt solid to him. So like his whole perception of what air quotes solid was 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 based upon this ecosystem that he created to, to create a usable ball flight which was working off of a toe hit so it was like eventually it was just like what went back to it and it was like okay how do you manage that 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 toe hit was just how he played golf so it's one of those things where you know you learn pretty quickly that like something that sounds like an ideal scenario when you're dealing with like the ecosystem of right. a player's swing just doesn't work right mm-hmm. 
you know, there's things like, you know, I remember one time I got, I tried to get a player who kind of like hit the ball really high to get more lean in the shaft and just like he just completely lost control of the face by trying to lean it more. So stuff like that, better player where it's just like in this, you know, kind of chasing an ideal of creating a certain ball flight, you know, you have the potential to like hurt someone if you're not really careful, right? I think I've always been good enough, like I've been like sort of aware enough to kind of like not be super rigid and be stuck on something. Chase it too far. Yeah, that you can kind of get out of it fairly quickly. So like we were able to work out of it, but it was like, it was like, it, it was down that path enough time for a long enough period of time where it's like, that's not good for this person, right? And and, 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 and the whole thing, like the way they saw the, everything, there's the whole, they hit a higher ball flight, but that's how they saw golf, right? Just even when they hit it lower and it was like a good shot, it was like, it just didn't fit the way they right. played golf. They play. Yeah, so. Just kind of like that's just sort of you know rookie teaching mistakes things like that. I mean I don't know that it's I mean to me too teaching higher level players tour players adds an extra level in that because they're already really good at doing things. Yeah, and you know that's we mentioned it a couple times today. Like to me that's where you have to be careful because like with your preferences because you could change something that to you would look better, but totally screw them up. Yeah, or or I mean. Really, more matter of fact, they just not give them any benefit. Like it's just changing something to change something. Yeah, yeah. So we talked today. We were doing doing your show, and I said where I started with a student. I was telling we were doing that segment about the rope. So when a new player comes to you, new tour player, been struggling a little bit. Where do you start? What's the first thing you do? Ask a lot of questions. So if someone's already, if they're like a good player, and if they've had some success, like some real success that they've had. For a tour guy, I, I'm, I'm trying to take in as much information as possible. Like, I'm asking them a ton of questions. If they had a window where they felt like they played their best golf, I'm trying to get swings from that time. It's like, send me as many swings from whatever it is. 2015 when you, you know, won whatever tournament or whatever it is, right? And I'm just really doing my due diligence to understand what they did when they played their best golf and just trying to kind of immerse myself in, okay, what was their swing like then? What was their body like then? Why did they move out of it? Were they trying to change something swing-wise? Was there some sort of like environmental influence that pulled them out of that? Just really trying to play detective. Now, if it's someone who is, say, a tour guy who has, like, for example, you know, always finished in like you know a hundredth on the money list, and they always they've never had a window where they're like, oh, I played my best golf here. They're like, I've always kind of struggled to keep my car type of thing. That's a totally different animal. Right, because you don't have that precedent of what they did when they play their best golf. That's also a really tricky situation because if you don't handle that right, like sure they want to like be a better golfer, but they could like that lose their job. Right, because a little bit worse for them is off the tour. Hundred percent, and that's a big threshold. You know, <laughs> on the tour, off the tour is like big deal. The, the difference between being one twenty fifth on the money list and one twenty sixth on the money list is massive. Hundred <laughs> percent, right? Right. So you got to be like super careful in those situations. Like with something like that, I'm I'm oftentimes taking at least to start out with as you know, like non-invasive of a strategy as possible. Like I'm getting a lot of stats from say someone like uh, Brody and trying to see if there's any parts of their game that you know are just off because of maybe the way they practice, time allocation, things like that. All right, things when you're at a tour event, people that you don't teach that you'll stop and watch do something, and it could be putting, chipping, ball striking, driving. I love watching uh, Phil hit pitch shots. I mean, I remember at St. Andrews, 15, he was seeing these pitch shots. They were just like, 
It's crazy because like a lot of people when they, they spin it, like, like their spinners are coming out low, right? Or they hit it high, they lose a lot of spin, sort of a flop and just kind of, you know, will stop more because of the trajectory. Phil and Tiger, I would say, are kind of the only guys I've seen who can hit it high with a lot of spin. And uh, he was seeing these shots at St. Andrews on the practice screen. It was like, I mean, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know what exactly he's doing. I, it's almost like he's ricocheting the club off the ground into the ball. And it just like had so much spin in on it. It was, it was ridiculous. So Phil's always fun to watch around the greens. I love watching Xander putt. Xander just rolls it. It just looks so solid. He works with Derek Ueda. They've done an awesome job with his, his um, game on the greens. Rory's always fun to watch. Mm. He's fun to watch at a golf ball. Driver especially. Oh, it's so great. And I mean, I know your guy drives super long, but man, when Rory's driving it good, it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. And you said I can't mention one of my guys because. Yes, you can. Go ahead. You said I can't. You said, you said, had I you changed my mind. Go ahead. Well, like, like watching Bryson at Driver, too. Okay. Yeah, we'll let you say that. I mean, I feel like we should let you say that. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. But, uh, but Rory's, Rory's really fun to watch swing a golf club. Agree. Yeah, that's one of those ones that when you're walking down the range, there aren't many people I've walked down a range and where I stop. Yeah. I think DJ hitting drivers is impressive. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. What was it? What was maybe I'm trying to think what year it was? 2011, maybe? Was that Augusta? I was I was there as as a spec as a patron. Patron, sorry. You <laughs> might get banned. Come on. <laughs> and uh, he was hitting these like nippy wedges that had like a fair amount of like right to left yeah, movement on them, and they just looked so awesome off the face. But yeah, I would say Roy, iron player. Sergio's cool to watch. It's got like cool sound. He's yeah, got Sergio. It's a little bit like the throwback to like sort of romanticizing the guys who like take a div and it you know has like a cool sound to it and all that. <laughs> you know, and I think at the end of the day, it's like look. If I could hit like a guy like Hogan or Trevino, obviously hit it great, and they, again they get a little romanticized because of like the ball flight's cool, they take a divot, it's got like a cool sound to it. But it's like if if I could have anybody's sort of ball striking prowess in the history of the game, it's like Nicholas, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like throw it up straight up in the air and stop it on fast greens. Like what more do you want right. for, for winning exactly. big time tournaments, right? It's surprising to me, you know, not going on, but like. How few people talk about how good is about his golf swing. You know, everybody talks about his majors and how he played. Whereas he hit it so good, right? He hit it so good. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy though how you know people get locked in on certain golf swings. Everybody tried to make people swing like Tiger in 2000, which was pretty good. And uh, yeah. sure, but, but I would say it's a good one to copy because of like how well he hit it, not because the. Aesthetics per se, right? Whereas a guy like Nicholas hit it really, really well, but he's less copied because he may not have like this sort of like symmetry that people seem to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. And I think people like that that visual of like, oh, it's kind of you know more or less going up on one plane and down on the plane, right? On, on the same plane, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you know, I just kind of care where the ball is going. <laughs> yeah. Any more questions for Como? Favorite swing of all time is that Jack Nicholas. Uh, I mean, it's probably Tiger, Tiger because 2000. Tiger probably did hit it as as good as as from a purely sort of functional perspective. That's probably the best anybody's ever hit a golf golf ball. Great. So he just happened to have both sort of the 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 functionality and the aesthetics of it. I just think the aesthetics can kind of like fool you sometimes, right? But the functionality was still there. So so by that definition, I would I would still choose Tiger. You ever have a golf swing that you look at with your eye and you're like. I mean, it's not that good. But then you load, you slow it down, you look at different things, and you're like, shit, this is really good. Yeah, for sure. Although I think 
I think I'm pretty good about not getting fooled by like a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of like picking up on what a guy is doing through the ball. And that to me is like really kind of what matters. But yes, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you get a swing and, and uh, you know, it may have a lot of like craziness to it. Right. But then right. you start to frim. Matt, yeah. 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 But then through the ball. And then you watch, watch the ball and you're just like, well. And you just watch him, th- yeah. watch him through the ball, right? If you were to just sort of like, like you're saying, slow it down through the ball, you're like, that's awesome. Right. That's going to get done. <laughs> There's nothing unorthodox about the way he works works it through the ball. Not at ball. all. Yeah. If you just filmed that part, oh. everybody try to teach that. Yeah. Right? So, That'd be oh, what they say it. they're teaching. Book it, yeah. Chris, you're the best. You're a legend. Thanks, Tony. All right, buddy. Have a great me. week. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.